What's up guys, AJ here, going to record uh, my recap thoughts for this UFC card that just took place. Headlined by Alistair Overham and Augusto Sakai, some late bout cancellations, particularly with some COVID positive tests, uh, forced the fight down to seven fights instead of nine. I know that's not ideal uh, to some, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm still happy that we had fights to, to watch on the Saturday nights. Um, that's just what it boils down to for me. We, we don't have to deal with this, these sort of circumstances, a seven fight card uh, too often. In fact, uh, per Brad Okamoto, it was the first time we've had a seven fight card in the UFC uh, since 2005. So um, all things considered over the large spectrum, uh, history has shown that we don't have to deal with these uh, circumstances of the super uh, short card um, over a large sample size. So we have another card next event or uh, next week, rather next Saturday um, to get right back into things uh, with a bit more length in terms of the bouts on the card. Uh, but let's just talk about this one. So there was seven fights in totality and uh, I thought there were some takeaways here. Uh, the first fight of the night, Hunter Asia taking on Cole Smith. Uh, I felt pretty uh, comfortable saying that Asia was the, the better overall fighter here. Uh, the thing that made me just a little bit, uh, interested in watching to see how he would respond to that last fight against Kelleher. He definitely slowed down there um, in that fight in round two. Uh, then he also got, uh, he suffered, unfortunately, his first uh, KO loss as a pro MMA fighter. Um, so I was interested to see how he responded. He responded, I think, in a good way here and posed his wrestling game. Uh, he show, showed off some uh, strong and competent grappling. Uh, I did think that he slowed down as the fight progressed, but not nearly as uh, to the degree that he did against uh, Kelleher. So I have to attribute that to uh, he's a young up and coming guy that is gaining experience at MMA lab. Uh, he's got an athletic background. So as a guy like Hunter Asia gains more experience, I think he's naturally just going to get better um, with, with the skill set that he's working with and, and the resources that he has. That is a very nice one for him on his resume. Uh, Viviani Ariujo taking on Montana De La Rosa, you know, Viviani, I think uh, made a good showing here. Uh, she was the better striker on paper, though I did think that Montana definitely improved her striking game. She apparently was doing this camp uh, at team elevation ahead of this bout, and I think the improvements, uh, in particular in terms of her striking, really showed her. I thought her, her technique looked a lot cleaner. Her defense looked better. She showed off some countering ability as well. She definitely held her own in terms of the striking department, and in terms of significant strikes for UFC.com. She actually outlanded Viviani, 85 to 82. So despite like an on paper 30, 20, 27 decision times two for Viviani, 29, 28 uh, for the other judge, Montana certainly held her own in the striking department. I was pretty surprised to see those scorecards, 30, 27, to be honest with you, uh, multiple times. But uh, all things considered in a loss, I did think that Montana showed potential. Her face got uh, pretty busted up there. Unfortunately, she unfortunately wasn't really able to get much of her wrestling going. Uh, she was able to get top position very briefly the first round, but unfortunately she couldn't hold down uh, Viviani Araujo, who I felt looked better as well uh, than say her previous fights, not so much in terms of techniques while she's relatively fresh um, and, and skill set. She's all, she's very, very talented, but uh, the glaring thing with Viviani um, in her previous fights that she showed was the cardio management. Her cardio management is it wasn't exactly optimized in the past, but this fight uh, she was, she was still mobile, but what, her movement wasn't as excessive, and as a result, um, she definitely uh, showed better three-round cardio, and that's definitely a good thing to know going forward because, like I said, I, I do believe she's very talented. 
I am generally high on her as a prospect. If she could fight like how she fought tonight uh, over a consistent basis, uh, being a young lady, uh, again, being relatively inexperienced in terms of pro MMA, this was only her 11th bout. She trains with the likes of Gilbert Burns with Vincente Luque. I do think she has upside. I think both ladies have upside. Like I said, they're both young. They're both improving. Um, I think it was just a pretty good fight where I was able to uh, gather some information that uh, perhaps could be applied in the future. But uh, really happy with how this fight turned out. I think both ladies showed improvements um, both on the feet and cardio and good stuff like that. So I was pretty intrigued with that one and with how it played out. Next fight, not too much to say. Brian Keller took on a super short notice uh, opponent in Ray Rodriguez and got the quick guillotine choke. Uh, Keller is known for that guillotine choke, amongst the many other things. Uh, Brian Keller was able to submit Yuri Alcantara in his UFC debut with a, a guillotine choke as a big underdog. Fun fact, uh, Alcantara is actually a very high-level submission grappler himself. Uh, Keller was able to still get the tap. Uh, so Brian Kelleher's guillotine choke is, is certainly no choke. Uh, certainly no joke, geez. Um, as he uh, came out as a big favorite and certainly won in very convincing fashion, I would imagine that the UFC is going to give Ray Rodriguez another chance considering that he really stepped up here on short notice uh, as Brian Kelleher's original opponent, Kevin Navidad, uh, was unfortunately able to fight and as a result, Ray, Ray Rodriguez stepped in on super short notice and took this fight. So I definitely think that the UFC is going to give him another chance. Ray is actually a gentleman who had fought in the contender series in the past. He actually fought Tony Gravely uh, a year ago. So um, some of you may be familiar with him for that reason or other reasons. Um, I, I do think that he gets another chance. And as for Kelleher, like I said, just a very impressive win. Um, and happy to see him get uh, three finishes in 2020. Uh, he had the finish over at Hunter Azure. He had a finish over Ode Osborne back in January, and he has this finish. So Kelleher, this is his fourth fight in 2020. He stayed busy even in his loss against uh, Cody Stamen. I thought he fought valiantly. He definitely held his own against a very talented fighter in Cody Stamen. So um, Kelleher's been doing his thing in 2020. I'm very happy for the guy. Andre Muniz taking on Bartos Fabinski. Um, I saw a lot of people bet Muniz uh, as an underdog. Kudos to you guys. That's awesome. Uh, personally, I stayed away from this one. Uh, just wasn't didn't feel comfortable to place a bet on either side. Just didn't have the information I needed to um, have enough conviction on placing a bet one side or the other. But uh, basically, the fight played came down to me is I, I did think that Muniz was more threatening of a finisher, and Bartos was the better round winner. Round winner uh, with his superior cardio and wrestling. Um, that said, I, I did think that uh, Muniz uh, early showed good solid takedown defense, spreading a wide base. Um, fishing for underhooks, things like that. Uh, Bartos was eventually able to get the fight to the ground, and Muniz, uh, being the high-level black belt that he is, was threatening right away. He threatened with a guillotine choke. Uh, when that, that didn't work out, he was fishing for a, a triangle choke and then uh, switched it up to an armbar, which he eventually got the quick tap there from Bartos. So very, very impressive for Andre Muniz. Um, like I said, everybody that, that cashed a bet on him, uh, congrats. That is awesome. It always uh, must feel good to cash a bet on the fighter where they where they win and there's really uh, not really much of a sweat they, they win the fight comfortably they win the fight round one or what have you um that's very impressive michelle pejera uh, got a very nice win against Celine imadayev i really am happy that pejera got the win because i've said it before i just think this guy has a lot of tools that you know mean that he's just a very talented fighter and i do think he is he just doesn't always fight optimally he's in the past as you guys, I'm sure, where you utilize a lot of cartwheel kicks, uh, rolling thunder, capoeira kicks, just you name it. 
you name the flashy technique, Bayer has pretty much thrown it. This fight he fought, you know, with a lot more, um, you know, composure in terms of round winning. He was really fast in there. Um, the guy is a big physical guy that is very athletic and fast and, uh, you know, just definitely was able to get his licks in there, the striking exchanges to say the least. Uh, he outlanded him a dive. He was just a quicker man to the punch. He was more accurate in terms of the strikes. And I really liked there at the end of the third round how he was comfortably winning, but he still wanted to go for the finish anyway. Um, he really wanted to, I guess, put his stamp on the fights, and uh, he was able to get uh, a, a slam takedown, a body lock slam takedown against Imadive, and uh, got the rear naked choke on paper. There's a little bit of controversy there, a little bit of uncertainty as to whether or not he actually was tapping or going to tap. Uh, but regardless, it does go down as a rear naked choke for uh, Piera. So very nice to see him back in the win column. This guy, I, I hope that he stays with the company for a long time because this guy's just awesome to watch. And I do think he's really talented. He just doesn't always fight to his fullest potential. But this fight, I do think that this is the best Michelle Pejera fighting-wise that we've seen in the UFC thus far. He looked like a big favorite out there. The fight was really never in doubt, uh, to be honest with you. I don't think um, and the guy is just uh, just a treat to watch. So I'm looking forward to seeing him perform in the future. Um, nice bounce back win for him. The co-main event, Ovid St. Preux and Alonzo Metafield. This was another fight that uh, just stayed away from, didn't have any interest in, in betting it. Uh, it was just kind of a little tougher for me to call exactly. Uh, but the way the fight played out, St. Preux went out there and looked like a comfortable favorite for the most part. Uh, Metafield was able to get in his blitzes, uh, land some shots on the inside, but he had a lot of trouble at range against uh, St. Preux. Uh, St. Preux was able to leverage his length, utilize it, and just be the more active busy, effective striker, and was eventually able to get that knockout there in round two. Um, it is uh, just goes to show that even at light heavyweight, uh, even fighters that have never been knocked out or finished, just like I'll get into the main events, these guys are so big and threatening uh, that, you know, even though dur durability is a legitimate thing and that it prevails um, in a lot of cases, it uh, isn't like the end-all, be-all, especially in these bigger these bigger weight classes where everybody possesses a lot of power. So even durable fighters, like I brought up uh, Yuri Prohashka versus Volkan Uzdemir, that's, I guess, a, a more recent example where there's a large sample size on Uzdemir where he's been in there three rounds with threatening strikers like Alexander Rakic and Dominic Reyes and other dangerous fighters in the past, yet he hadn't been finished via strikes on the feet. He got a little ground-and-pound stoppage there from Daniel Cormier. Um, but then again, he's largely shown to be durable on the feet. We saw for Hashka there get a very impressive KO win. Um, so my point there is uh, at a light heavyweight, there's a little bit of a caveat, I'd say, with the durability angle based off the fact that these guys are all big, strong, hit hard, things like that. I know that uh, there are some people publicly that came out after the fact, um, after the fact that all their bets, just you know, full transparency, after the fact that came out with all these bets that I'm going to go over here. Congrats. That's awesome. I'm happy you guys won. Um, that's awesome. It feels good. I, I know that that feeling that's, that's awesome to, to enjoy the fights and cash bets and that's all good stuff. So uh, congrats to everybody on Metafield con or excuse me, not Metafield. Congrats to everybody on uh, St. Prue and all the other fighters that uh, came through because for the most part, these fights were really never in a whole lot of doubt outside of a few exchanges. Uh, like in the case of the Hunter Azure versus Cole Smith fight. Um, and like I said, the error usual fight was close, though I did still think that 
uh, Viviani uh, clearly won, like a clear but competitive type of decision, if you will. And lastly, the main events, Augusto Sakai taking on Alistair over, and this was another example that I was uh, alluding to in the previous matchup. But Sakai had actually never been finished prior to this bout, uh, but over and got the job done. He got the stoppage there in round five. Um, basically, uh, a lot of everybody that I listened to, just very smart, uh, wise to the fact that, you know, basically in the breakdown, Overeem is the, the better fighter. Uh, he's usually the better fighter in there, even at this stage of his career. Uh, but the durability is what he tends to struggle with um, in, in the losses or the fights where he, he kind of edges out, like barely in the case of Fabrizio Verdum or something like that. Uh, so that's basically the way the matchup broke down to me. I tend to side with the fighter that I think has more passed the victory um, against the opposition where I think basically their only way to win is by that KO, that big shot. That's what I thought we had here. Uh, broke down the main event in, in more depth, um, which I, I actually am now releasing uh, plug real quick uh, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. I will actually send you guys the links here in this spot of the email that I'll send you. So if you don't want to you know, listen to my, my free main event audio breakdowns, uh, via email, um, Google Drive, you can do so on Apple Podcasts. You, you can just search AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets on there or Spotify, and you'll be able to find me. You could just hit play, if you will, uh, write a review if, if you think that's necessary um, and, and what have you. Feel free to do what you want. Um, but, yeah, just a little side note there. Uh, but as it pertains to this fight, yeah, the the way the matchup broke down to me was just overing better fighter, superior technical striker, more defensively sound, better clinch fighter, Better wrestler, better grappler, fought the better level of opposition, much more experience. Just so many, so many advantages did Overeem have. Um, it was just, you know, can Sakai hurt him with a big punch and finish the job? That's basically the way the matchup broke down to me. And like I said, similar to uh, when I broke down um, Omar Yakmadov versus Chris Weidman or Tim Means versus Stropoli, which was on the same card, coincidentally. Um, a few cards ago where I just really did think that Akhmadov and Staropoli, unless they could really test and finish uh, the opposition in those respective bouts with a punch, I, I did tend to think that their opponents, Weidman and Means, were just better fighters, and I sided with them there for that reason. So I tend to stick with my decision on that in general, uh, just in terms of decision-making. I got to be okay with the decisions that I make at the end of the day. Uh, I don't want to feel regretful or that I did something wrong. I got to I only got to work with what I have in front of me, right? Um, there's always a choice to be made. Sometimes it doesn't work out perfectly. Maybe it's not the, maybe not the outcome that we wanted, but maybe it's the outcome that we needed, right? So uh, we got to work with what we got, just like on a seven and five card, right? Um, so anyway, yeah, Overeem just uh, fairly dominant uh, beyond the first two rounds. First two rounds were very competitive. I, I see the cases there for Sakai, uh, but we saw there that uh, once the fight was on the ground, that's where Overeem hit a big, big advantage. And Sakai certainly uh, is not bad on the ground at all. In fact, he's very capable. He's at least a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Um, but it just it's just more of a compliment, more of a testament to how strong of a wrestler and grappler that Overing is. That's one of the, I guess, the you know, things about Overing is he's he's sought of more as a striker, which is true. You know, he he has shown to go the vast majority of his career as a striker, but the guy's got a submission wrestling background. He's shown to be a, a, a definitely a very capable wrestler and submission grappler. Um, he's, he's, again, he's just more so known as a striker. So in a way, those, those, um, areas of his game are, are, are overlooked in a sense. Uh, but that's part of the reason why I, I make the case and, and others too, that he's oftentimes a better fighter. It's basically what's, what skills does it over possess? He, he possesses so many of them. Um, so that's, that's basically, uh, 
you know, even at this stage, why he's favored, but not like too much in terms of like a betting line um, in, in a lot of these spots. But yeah, uh, very good performance by the Ream. Um, once that takedown happened in round five, it did the visual of Sakai kind of just turning away. I, I kind of thought that that Herb was going to uh, wave it off shortly thereafter. Um, that's what happened there. So that's basically how how the seven fight card went, guys. I mean, this is a, a very brief, quick breakdown relatively to the other ones I had to pass. But like I said, there's only seven fights, not as many. Uh, we got another card here next week. Um, Could dive into the research for that on Monday. I just generally like to take Sundays off to get a break and, and rejuvenate and that sort of thing. So I can get right back in the swing of things on Monday. Uh, too much of anything isn't good as they say. So uh, there, there's another rationale as to why I don't do it. But uh, yeah, for now, I hope you guys enjoyed the recap. Um, hope it was insightful to, insightful to you guys. Um, if you haven't found out on Twitter, I have been promoting it as much as I can. I have been doing this promotion giveaway uh, where I, I name like two uh, somewhat likely outcomes on a particular on, on a particular card, and if those outcomes hit, I, I will PayPal a person who retweets the tweet, likes the tweet, and is following me on Twitter at um, a certain amount of dollars, uh, U.S. dollars, um, and uh, it's like a mutually beneficial thing. That is my goal there to where. Uh, there's promotion going along both ways. Um, and at the end of the day, I can make somebody happy with, with some, some free money, if you will, by just participating, uh, a participation trophy, if you, if you'd like to think of it like that. So I really appreciate the support guys. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to this, whatever day you're listening to it on, I hope you have a nice day and, uh, looking forward to the next event. Take care and have a nice day.